We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie and we are here to recap the game against the Grizzlies, which in actuality is not final yet. We are still in the current state of the game right now in the fourth quarter with six minutes and 34 seconds left to go. We figured we'd hop on here and talk about what we saw from the game, but also we've got some listener questions, which we'll get into as well, which should spark some conversation. I'll be joined by Lee and by Spencer today. We are live on Twitter spaces. We are live on Twitch and we are live on YouTube. So submit your comments, questions, and we'll get those in the chat and display them on the screen uh, if they are appropriate, and we can talk about them as well. And as we get into this, we'd encourage you guys to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And I'd like to read our latest. It states, these guys give a well-informed look at the Hornets. It's not the cutesy drivel that often uh, infects pro sports pods honest and smart. So I feel like whenever these reviews align with our goal and what we're going for, for this podcast, it always makes me feel good. So Spencer, how's it going? I know you really enjoyed the game tonight. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's going just fine, Richie. Um, And yeah, I I would echo what you just said. You know, that, that really was our goal for this podcast is to, to bring real educated, um, you know, basketball, chatter um x's and o's to cover every aspect of the game so that was a very refreshing review so thank you uh to whoever left that no but it's going good i think we were texting tonight uh maybe it was halftime i said you know i'm too old for this how much longer can i do this with this franchise (laughs) i'm gonna watch some college shoes but uh but still gonna jump on the pile with you guys yeah i got a feeling i don't know lee what do you do you have a different feeling we're gonna be talking a lot of uh top four draft prospects for the rest of the season well i just wanted to uh i just wanted to shout out the the lexicon and the vocabulary in that five-star review cutesy drivel what a very good very good what a great use of those two words in in conjunction with each other um man uh you know we were kind of texting you know we 
we've got our we've got our group thread, you know, our internal group thread, and we're like, I mean, let's just jump on here early in the fourth quarter because this is just an absolute beatdown. Um, which, you know, I had referenced a couple times throughout the these kind of early season pods is like most of these losses have been kind of the uh the good kind of loss, right? Like flashes from the young guys competitive spirit scrappiness and then still losing at the end because of you know inferior talent to the opponent or or whatever and rarely has this team just got absolutely pounded this year for whatever reason memphis i mean actually for very obvious reasons (laughs) memphis a very good basketball team has just absolutely slapped i mean 130 to 99 in their first meeting November 4th and this one is shaping up to be basically just as bad so um yeah we decided to hop on early here we are let's let's talk about it a little bit yeah like you were saying Lee first things first Memphis is a very good team and you could argue that they are the best defensive team in the league and we knew this was going to be a struggle coming into it but you just you know when you go into these games you just wish it was a more of an enjoyable watch Yes. And we saw that right off the bat that it was not going to be an enjoyable watch. Uh, in the first quarter alone, the Hornets just struggled so mightily in terms of scoring the basketball. All their offense came from behind the arc. They only made two two-pointers in the first quarter where Memphis made 10 uh, two-pointers. And, um, you know, the Grizzlies were aggressive. They love going to the rim. That's just a part of their DNA. The Hornets struggle to shoot. That's a part of their DNA. And even if they do try to get to the rim, they're going to struggle to score because they don't have the finishing talent. And the opposite got Steven Adams on the opposite end. And it's just a very hard watch right now on both ends, but especially the offensive side of the court. And it actually prompted me to tweet something that I don't really normally like to do. But what what are your thoughts on this in terms of the Hornets under Borrego versus the Hornets under Steve Clifford? I know that the cards that have been dealt here for Clifford have not been a good set of cards, but I just thought that Borrego produced a whole lot more of an enjoyable watch. He had the X's and O's. He had some creative stuff on that end of the court. Obviously they had a guy that could pressure the rim, which is something that the Hornets do not have, but how much credit can we give Borrego and how much leeway are we giving Clifford here in this situation? Is there any kind of regret in in the firing of Borrego? Yeah, I, I think it's a really, I think it's an interesting and relevant point, Richie. I mean, obviously Borrego's gone and Steve Clifford's here, so I don't know necessarily, you know, how per, how, how you know how productive it is, but right. I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, this was a top ten offense last year. You gave all the appropriate context. You know, I mean, the injuries, the lineup. Uh, the absence of Miles Bridges, like all of that matters kind of when you're when you're trying to evaluate the job that the coach Clifford is doing. Um, but I do think that it's fair, like it's very fair to point out now. I mean, LaMelo has now been back in the lineup, you know, for for a week and a half, two weeks. The overall offensive numbers with LaMelo on the floor versus off the floor aren't much of a difference if any now at this point in the sample size so like i guess the point i'm trying to make is i think you start to lose a little bit of the personnel excuse when the on-off numbers with Lamelo look just as bad with his return 
Um, now continuity and rhythm matters. You know, a fringe player like Miles Bridges not being available obviously matters. So I still think Clifford. You know, I mean, Spencer and Brian talked about it a ton in the last episode. Like Clifford is a competent NBA basketball coach. He's proven that, you know, over over the years. But he is not what you would describe as a creative offensive mind. And say what you want about James Borrego, but he constructed a top 10 offense behind a 21-year-old point guard. And I think that that is something that Hornets fans and, and maybe even some of our audience took for granted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I would, I would echo, you know, most of what, you know, Lee just said. I Look, Borrego could scratch out something offensively from a very flawed roster. And, and most of that was through small ball, you know, PJ Washington at the five. And obviously Clifford has been unwilling to do that from the very beginning this year. Um, so, so that would be the data point you'd really point to if you were a, you know, Clifford's just, you know, the NBA is past him or, or, or whatever you would like to say. You know, I, I do think that the injuries, um, I think that the way this this roster looks this year versus last year, and, and the context of what's been available available this year versus last year, makes it a tough uh, a tough comparison, Richie. But I would I would you know echo again what what Lee said that I, I do I do think it's worth a conversation and, and worth attention. Um, it is really, really hard to tell. I mean, I, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I would encourage you to go back and do so because I made the case that, you know, the Hornets, the organization kind of, kind of for better or for worse, they owe it to themselves to give Clifford a chance, right? I mean, the Atkinson thing came out of nowhere. The rug was pulled out from under them. 
Um, that was kind of their own doing from years past. He looked into under the hood and said, no, thank you. Right. So maybe they deserved it, but I think they need to give Clifford a chance. And I made the case that I think Clifford should put a proposal together, go to the front office and say, here's my offensive coordinator, bring him in house. This is how we're going to, however we build this roster. Yeah, I'm the coach. You guys build the roster, but this is how I'm going to get the most out of that roster. Right. And, and so no Clifford's not James Brago from an offensive standpoint, but I'm also not going to grade him super strictly on having the 24th best defense in the NBA considering what he's had available this year. Now he's also got the worst offense, right? <laughs> so it, it, it's tough. It, it really is. Like I, I'm still kind of workshopping exactly how I feel about this Steve Clifford experience in year one, because this season has just been so discombobulated and like, it, it's just been weird at every turn. Right. Yeah, I think continuity, um, I think both of you guys said it. Like, that's the right word. Like, there has not been any of that with players in and out of the lineup. So it's it really is hard to judge, but it just feels like the offense, when you watch it now, it just has no structure. It's very much, I wouldn't say ISO heavy, but it's just whoever can get up a shot, get up a shot. Like, there doesn't seem to be much structure within the offensive system. It, it's yeah. just van- very vanilla. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Lamella. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's been very... Um, not not like heliocentric Lamelo, but just like I don't know some of those yeah. sh- some of these shots I'm starting to see Lamelo take. I'm just like man, I don't know if this is just like an organization that's kind of pulled the plug and been like, hey man, just go out there and do your thing. Like go out there and just try to make as many tough shots as possible. Or it's like Lamelo being like, what the hell? What, what am what's going on here? What am I doing? Like what? Like where are we going with this? Like, anyways, that's a different pod for a different day. But and Lamelo's been awesome. Like his numbers look really good. But like, there's just no connectivity offensively, even with him back in the lineup. And and that there's something there. Is all Agreed. I'm gonna say. Yeah, it's funny because he actually started off pretty good in this game, uh, but I'm looking at the numbers now, and I, I think it's just a byproduct of the result of the game. Uh, when this game gets out of hand, it tends he tends to chuck up more shots, and um, obviously it's it's out of hand at this point, and Lamelo is shooting 7 of 23 from the field, but I actually thought he had a very good first quarter, and um, if I were to actually sit down and evaluate the game closely, I probably would have thought he had the, the best game, but um, I haven't really been watching this past quarter, but any other thing you guys want to take away from this game? Cody Martin came back. He didn't really you know, have a big impact. Any other notes that you guys had before we get over to the uh, Q&A section? No. I mean, yes. I, it's great to see Cody Martin back. Um, predictably, he wasn't awesome tonight. I don't, I, you shouldn't expect him to be awesome for at least you know, three to four weeks, I would say. I mean, he, he's really going to have to work his way back into into game shape i think the only other thing i would piggyback on the on the lamello conversation is um and and i don't think this is what spencer is saying to be clear but like lamello as a talent and lamello on his development arc i think is is incredible like i think he's very much on or ahead of schedule from a development arc standpoint i think what's concerning and what both what all of us have kind of said tonight, I think what's concerning is the roster construction around him doesn't seem to be producing efficient offensive results. And that, you know, this is this is like one of the premier young assets in the NBA. And if this team can't get it's 
like when it's like in the NFL when you have a a good quarterback on a rookie contract, like you have to do everything you can to build a productive roster around that guy because you basically have a free quarterback, which is the most expensive position. When you have an on-ball playmate, dynamic playmaker with size in the NBA that you drafted and are developing as it, and it, and that is ascending at an acceptable or above average rate it's just really frustrating to see the poor roster construction around him granted some of that has been out of the hornets control um and i don't i, I don't particularly want to criticize this front office for too many i mean certainly they've they've made mistakes but you know, it is interesting to think back that this team had three kind of dynamic passing, shooting, dribbling guards with Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, and LaMelo Ball. And you knew that they probably couldn't all coexist in the long term. But it, in hindsight, it almost seems like, and we talked about this a ton in that offseason, like we are pushing all the chips in the LaMelo Ball playmaking basket. And that's a good basket to be in. But we also have talked about how Terry Rozier has been overtaxed as a playmaker, and there just isn't that other Devontae Graham, Malik Monkish, like move the ball connector, playmaker, shot maker really on this roster right now. So that's another rabbit hole too. But just it's an interesting conversation. I'm I'm enjoying the banter. Yeah, I I mean I think we've said for a while, and and many many people have. <laughs> I think it was it was obvious to me going through Lamelo's tape before the draft which i wasn't there's many impressive things about it he was always a ceiling raiser not a floor raiser and which makes it even more incomprehensible that golden state didn't draft him right like how good would he be thank god for that that team i mean you know but like i I don't know it it does make it super scary like where it goes from here in charlotte with Lamelo, because there is just unless they get um Seems like you need to have a top two pick and you got equal odds if you're in the top four in terms of lottery odds. Like something has to happen fast. We're we're coming up on Lamella's extension. Like this kind of it's kind of crazy to sit, you know, be sitting here saying this right now, but like we're we're closing in on like we've wasted years of, mm-hmm. of potentially the best talent this franchise had, you know, has had since Kimball Walker, maybe more than Kimball Walker. So um, yeah, nothing else in this game, Richie. I, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Memphis Grizzlies. I truly think this team can win the title. I really do. Like they, they are the Grizzlies, right? Not the Hornets. Not the Hornets. Yeah, the Hornets are not going to win the title. I'm I'm confident in that. Um, the Grizzlies are the most physical. Uh, I think they are. I think they're the most physical backcourt and the most physical team on the wing in the NBA. And if you disagree, yeah. I, I mean, I think some people would maybe say the Clippers, um, but they're never healthy. Like, I, I just think this Grizzlies team, they just want it more than anyone I've watched in the NBA this year. They're just here to have it right now. And I really think they can do it. Yeah, they're um, they're pesky. They're disruptive. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a, is a good defender. Uh, they've got, obviously, Adams on the back end that can be physical. And you saw that tonight, and James Elson made a uh, comment here on YouTube. This game shows that the Hornets need to hit the weight room, and I think that is 
perfectly uh, shown in this game when they can get to the free throw line where they can crash the offensive glass. And on the opposite end, the Hornets really couldn't do that tonight. So we are going to switch it over to the Q&A section. We had two great questions from our listeners here, and we are going to get to those. So the first question comes from Matt S. He says, uh, by his fourth season, Mark Williams is likely to be, this is a multiple choice question, A, still a backup, B, average starter, or C, an above average starter slash fringe all-star. Um, I wish there was kind of like some in-betweens here, but this is certainly a fun question to think about. And obviously there's plenty of factors that you have to take into account when considering this type of answer. And I think if Charlotte by chance lands the top overall pick and takes Victor Wimbanyama, does that change the outlook for Mark? Maybe potentially, I don't know all the ins and outs of Wimby's projected position uh, on the NBA level, but I do wonder if him and Mark could play side by side considering that Wimby kind of lacks some physicality and some strength. But if he is going to be primarily a center on the NBA level, that could push Mark to a bench role. And that would obviously kind of go towards the A answer here as the backup. Uh, to me, if I were to answer this question, I'd probably say Mark Williams has the best chance in his fourth season to be a starter and probably closer to an above average starter. Uh, maybe not just an average starter, but closer to an above average starter. I don't think that he's going to be in the conversation for all-star status by his fourth season. And he's definitely shown some promising signs in these last handful of games that he has gotten consistent minutes. He has probably made his biggest impact as a pick and roll big. He's massive. He's got that frame. He can get downhill, uses screens. Um, he's not necessarily like the pogo stick jumper that I first envisioned um, as the ideal partner with LaMelo, but he uses his body well. He seals off defenders, and obviously his wingspan is just something that you can't teach, and he already has a solid foundation um, as a rebounder, getting positioning on defensive side, making sure he can grab that rebound, and he has a knack for for putbacks as well. So I think he has a solid foundation, and I think that's probably why I lean B, an above I keep saying above average starter, an, an average starter. So what do you guys think about this question here in terms of where it's going to fall uh, for Mark Williams in four years? I would probably say average starter if I had to guess, but you're right, Richie. It does depend on, you know, where they fall in the draft order, who they draft positionally. Um, I, you know, I keep harping on it, but like this team just can't get miles. They can't get Plumley out of the door quick enough because all of a sudden, you know, Nick Richards is getting DMPs and, you know, I, I mean, he was so good to begin the season, like regardless of who the Hornets draft this summer, I just Richards and, and Williams need to play exclusively. That's it. Period. Like this team has already lost 30 games. Like what are we doing? You know, like <laughs> just send Plumlee home. Just buy him out, whatever, do it now. Like I don't even care if we get nothing back for him, but um, I, I'm just I'm more curious in Williams and Richards and and those minutes split up over the entirety of an NBA game. Who's the better player right now? How do they fit moving forward? Do you have two really solid centers on your on your um, roster that you know you can move forward with, regardless of who you draft? Like I'm more curious in that because I, I just I think it's too early to really answer this question. 
uh, in any kind of way that would land and make you feel confident about it because of the roster construction moving forward. I mean, I like Mar Williams. You know, I think there's some physical traits there and athleticism and length. I mean, I mean, he's got pretty good hands. Um, I mean, I think all the tools are there, like more so than they were for Nick Richards when he was just coming into the league. I, I do believe those things, but I'm just more curious in those two centers and they how, how they fit on this roster long term. Uh, so I, I, the only center conversation I'm willing to have right now for the Hornets is how do we get Plumley out of here quick enough? So James in the comments, who we appreciate as a listener and, and always drops some good some good content in the comments. Two things he says: one is this could be a good loss if it convinces ownership to embrace the tank. And I think I'll piggyback on like ownership has no choice at this point. Like this this team is that bad presently constructed. I mean, gr- granted there are still not only missing players, but there are still continuity and rhythm issues with players still working the, their way back into the lineup. So I'm not necessarily even saying this team is going to look this bad all year. But they they are, I think, in the I think they're in the top five of the tank race, no matter what. Like literally no matter what. So at this point in the season. And then he also says agreed, start Williams, Nick Richards off the bench with Kai getting some scraps here and there. So he's agreeing with kind of Spencer's breakdown of like just get plumbly out of here at all at all cost. I will quickly just say, I, so the naked odds would say he's going to be a backup, like yeah, yeah. just 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 the odds. But I was super high on Mark Williams as a draft prospect. I think he was. I think he ended up eighth on my overall board. Um, so like I, I was particularly fond of him as a prospect. I, I've loved the the flashes we've seen. I'm glad he's finally getting a chance. So I'll just. I'll go out on a limb because I was high on him originally and say that he can be he can be a fringe all-star in four years. I think the rim protection, the rim rolling, uh, and the finishing around the basket mixed with the fact that I actually think he's eventually gonna shoot it. I'll I'll just I'll go with the optimistic take, fringe all-star in four years. <laughs> yeah. He attempted like a fifteen footer on the baseline in tonight's game, which I think might have been the good. longest shot. And he's a good free throw shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even made a mention of this on a previous podcast, but I actually think his passing has been overlooked at times. He's not necessarily like a creator by any means, but you know he moves the ball, and I, I can see that a part of his game moving forward. Next question here, Fat Lever. I think he's a. I don't, have you guys heard of Real GM? Have you guys heard of that website? Yeah, yeah. I used to visit that all the time. I think he's like a highly active participant over there. And I feel like I've seen his name before. But anyway, he says, of players on the roster, who makes the most sense as Mello's long-term backcourt partner? Terry, Cody, DSJ, Booknight, Bryce McGowans. He says he leans towards DSJ because of his point of attack defense and his ability to drive and kick, and that frees Mello off the ball. So, I actually have this narrowed down to two players and I actually like the suggestion of DSJ as a partner and I can totally understand how they could work together in certain situations. Like he mentions DSJ could be that on ball point of attack defender while LaMelo roams as that free safety on low usage guys. Offensively, he makes a good point where DSJ could be that rim pressure guy ability to drive and that could be beneficial for a guy like, LaMelo, who has proven to be a good spot-up shooter. 
I'm just not entirely sure if you reverse the roles where LaMelo is the primary guy, which certainly that needs to be the case on most possessions, how that affects DSJ on the offensive side, because I don't really see DSJ as a movement guy, but I guess I could be convinced that those two could be a long-term partnership together. But I guess the one thing that the holdup that I have with that, if you are telling me that DSJ and LaMelo are a backcourt partnership, that kind of eliminates uh, the backup point guard position, right? Because if you're saying they're a partnership, I'm assuming that this is more of a full-time thing and not a situational thing. So before I move on to my choice, do you guys have any thoughts on DSJ as a full-time partnership with Melo? Um, in the backcourt. No, I mean, I, I think that DSJ is best suited as a backup. Um, I think he's been an awesome story. I think he's been a fantastic kind of move on the margins uh, from this front office. So I would, I would err on the side as DSJ, you know, n- not ever becoming a full-time starter um, yeah. with the way the season's going. Maybe he'll, he'll start at some points throughout this year. Um, if LaMelo turns up with another, you know, shoulder or ankle here or there, which would be fine. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I mean, again, I hate to keep calling it out here, but James literally took the, the words out of my mouth. I, I don't think LaMelo's kind of, um, best use case running mate is on this roster right now. You, you saw what Cleveland was able to do for Darius Garland during this offseason, acquiring a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Um, if the Hornets could, if you'll allow me to go to the perfect world situation, they draft Wimbignana. Yep. Yeah, when, when I'll just say Wimby, they have Mark Williams, kind of the, the Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, twi- twin towers there with Nick Richards as kind of your backup active big, you know, you've got, you've got LaMelo ball. You've got your dynamic on ball playmaker. You've got good, solid defensive backup guards and Cody Martin and Dennis Smith jr. And then maybe it's a bit easier to 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 kind of pull some contracts together, some future draft capital, and a couple of young prospects, and 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 pull that kind of next disgruntled, ready to move on, perennial All Star, fringe All NBA, uh, running mate guard like like Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland this year. So, uh, am I getting ahead of myself? Absolutely, but you know, a, a man can dream. Yeah. I agree with what Lee said. I don't really think the players on this roster right now, like if I had to pick uh, between the options, I would, you know, I'd probably say Cody Martin, mostly That's... because he's on, under contract <laughs> for numerous years. Something's ear. Yeah. Yeah. Another podcast. That guy looks like a corpse right now. I, I would, uh, you know, on the DSJ thing, he's been so, it's been such a cool thing to watch, even amid, you know, amidst the the injuries, like the way he plays, so much energy, so much tenacity. He's turned into this, you know, backcourt, like defensive specialist. Like he's really remade his career, which is super cool. You know, it's super cool to see it happen in Charlotte, obviously, because it's like literally maybe the one bright spot in you know, this roster's had this year. Uh, but I agree with Lee. I, I think he's a backup. I think he's a, really moving forward wherever he is, and I, I would sure like that to be Charlotte. I think he's like a a defensive spark cl- a spark plug coming in off the bench, and a guy also depending on the matchups, uh, like Cleveland, 
when you're playing a backcourt like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland that comes in and finishes games, right? Because he's like that lockdown guy who can give you just enough offensively, um, but really gives you way more defensively. So, yeah, DSJ, I mean, it's such a cool story this year. But, yeah, I, I don't think the the answer to this question is on the roster currently. You guys are just skirting around the question. Like what? So I know your, yeah. your answer well, is Cody. That's the answer. It's not, it's not on the roster. <laughs> your answer is Cody. What, what's your answer, Lee? On the roster, who's the best partnership back there? Rosier. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, on the roster in terms of kind of – I mean, look, we've, we've seen a backcourt. We have actually seen a backcourt of LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier produce high-end, efficient offense in the NBA, won 43 games – you know, obviously got blow out, blown out in the in the in the play-in game, but um, you know there are some years in the East where forty-three wins would have been the seventh seed. So, like, I, I think if, yes, and you're doing a good job as the driver of the podcast by making me answer the question, Richie, and I'll take Rozier. <laughs> Rozier looks like that guy. I, you know, he's had a bad, he's had a rough, rough year. Mm-hmm. He rough. just looks down and disinterested. Like nothing about him looks good at all. Like it, it all looks, looks terrible, and, and it's super disappointing because, you know, obviously he's been really good in Charlotte in spots, um, you know, and I think there was maybe some hope that if this season went downhill like it is right now that you'd potentially be able to trade him at the deadline to a desperate team, uh, i.e. the Los Angeles Lakers. But, like, there's just no value there right now. Like, he's not worth anything. He's a negative asset. He was he was probably already a negative asset on that contract, but now he's just, like, a distressed asset. I don't know, Spencer. I, I think this time last year or like February, March, I think he had some value. I really like I I agree with your overall point. I think he actually did have some value at the end of last year with with like like being an elite catch and shoot guy, movement, three point shooter. And last year, if everyone remembers, like he had a super slow start and me and BG were both saying like, He's going to have a six-week stretch where he shoots like 55% from three and, and the numbers are going to be right back to where they were and it happened. And so at the beginning of this year, I was saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Granted, with the caveat of like not having LaMelo hurts his efficiency, all that stuff. But like, it just hasn't. Like, he just hasn't had that that six-week stretch where he just goes unconscious. And 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 I agree. Like, his even his movement and his um kind of twitchy like none of it quite looks the same so that's certainly concerning as well yeah well to answer the question i i would go cody martin just because i think maybe it's just a recency bias with with what you guys are talking about with rosier and just how bad he has looked but i think maybe the offense and defense combined i think i have a little bit more hope that that backcourt partnership can produce a little bit more of a balanced play because martin is disruptive on both ends of the ball. And uh, it's kind of like the same theory that this guy has with DSJ, but I just think that Cody Martin is more of an off ball mover compared to DSJ. And um, I, I think we're still kind of unsure of how he can shoot the ball because it feels like last year for Cody Martin was a little bit of an anomaly and we really haven't seen him play this year. Obviously this was his first game back tonight against the Grizzlies. Uh, any playing meaningful minutes. I don't know how many minutes he ended up with. Let's see here. 21 minutes. So the final score was 131-107 with the Memphis Grizzlies defeating the Charlotte Hornets. Um, And I'm honest when I say this, guys. If you guys have any thoughts on how we should approach the rest of the season with this podcast, do you like these game recaps? Do you want us to start talking about trades? Do you want us to start talking about 
the draft. Like we can do that or some kind of mixture of both. We will do that ASAP. For Spencer, for Lee, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys later. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.